Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Yetworth podcast. Thanks for being here with us today. I'm your co-host, Emma Schmitz, and I'm here with my other co-host, Maxwell. Hey, everybody. Good to be back. Yeah, so today we've decided to talk about this topic that Max put together for a presentation for one of our client groups recently, and it's the top six mistakes that we see advisors make when it comes to having the DI and LTC conversation. Our agency has been in this industry for multiple decades now, and in combination with this generation and the generation before us, we've seen quite a bit. And we've seen what works and mostly what doesn't work when it comes to having the DI or LTC conversation. So we're going to go through, and there's six of them, six mistakes. And then we're also going to run through six solutions that we like to use instead. The first mistake we see is that advisors are reactive. For example, how many times have we heard, my client needs a quote for DI, they were just diagnosed with cancer. Oh, God, countless times. Uh, that's one that happens probably a little bit more rarely than the more typical stuff, which is like a back issue or somebody just started seeing a chiropractor or they're just finishing up PT and now they feel like they're healthy again so they can they can finally apply for this coverage they've been thinking about the whole time they've been going through PT. And it's like, well, actually, that's not the time. The time was before and now we need to wait through a six-month period of stability, which is how it works for most conditions, um, especially if they're more temporary in nature. Obviously, if it's a chronic condition, I mean, you're looking at 12 to 24 months for stability, and then you're going to have a massive exclusion on there for something that affects you in your day-to-day. And that's really the takeaway here is to become proactive and make sure that you're finding points and points in the conversation, points in your relationship to address these sort of issues with your clients. Because the biggest thing that we see is is people just putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, and the advisors enabling that. It's like, oh, yeah, well, we'll get to it when it's important. It's like, well, when is it important? Let's get it done. Let's make it part of the natural fact finder process. Do you have disability income plan? What is your plan? Which assets are we liquidating first? Is it going to be your home? Is it going to be your business? Is it going to be your retirement portfolio? Because guess what? Those comes with strings attached, each one of them. So, and if they don't want to liquidate any one of those three things, guess what we're going to have to do? Find some sort of insurance program. Could be individual, could be group. If the group isn't enough, we want to make sure we do a proper assessment of the group coverage and then determine whether or not individual is going to be necessary for a supplemental policy. If this is sounding calculated, it's because there is a process and having a process is the key to eliminating that frustration, because if you have a process, you have predictive results. And so that the frustration is always coming from a place where people are just surprised. And the famous saying goes, you know, surprises are great on your birthday and Christmas, but they're horrible in underwriting. Yeah. Just to summarize, be proactive. That's that's our advice here. And, you know, like you said, when you're in a review with your client, you could say something like your monthly paycheck does a lot for you and your family. Have you thought about insuring it? Because that's how insurance works. And we've talked about this before. You need the policy before you have the need to use it. Next, we see advisors trying to reinvent the wheel. So it's 2023. There's no reason to be starting from scratch in this industry. There's tons of expertise and knowledge on 
how to have these conversations, the the process, like Max was just saying. It happens literally every single day where I, somebody comes to us with an inquiry and they have half a data set of information that we need. And, and again, I understand like this is something that you don't encounter every day. Most people are waiting to be approached about disability insurance, which if you really just take it on its face, how ridiculous is that? Waiting for somebody to approach you about their disability needs. If anybody's doing any sense of financial planning, you need to make sure that you're addressing not just the investments, but the insurance that's in place as well. Number one, there's no reason to be waiting, but typically because people wait, they have this idea that, you know, they need to start from scratch every single time. It's like, okay, I know the guy, let me just get to the guy. The guy's going to kind of guide us through this process, the guy being us, uh, me, and, <laughs> and um, making sure that, you know, we're handholding all the way through, which is something we've done a lot in the past. It's something we want to help prevent in the future so that people just have a better understanding. They have the resources like an accurate um, and comprehensive fact finder, a quote request form. And, um, you know, we have those on our website. Anybody can download them at yetworth.com slash marketing. You can find a bunch of stuff. And if you don't have that data, you're going to get an email. I'm going to ask for the missing data. You're going to have to go to the client, ask for the missing data. You're already starting off on a bad foot. So, but it goes beyond just the fact finder, right? You're looking for just systems in every part of the journey. We want to make this a short journey. And this is the only way to do it is if you have navigable steps that go through. I mean, it's like the difference between um, trying to scramble up a hill and following a trail. I mean, what, what's, I mean, you might get there faster if you scramble up, depends how many, how many obstacles are in your way. So we don't know how many obstacles are going to be in our way. All we know is that there's a well-defined trail that we've got cut out for you. And we'd love to help you walk that trail. It's about efficiency. Yeah. The other aspects where you would want to make sure you're not reinventing the wheel is pre-qualification. So there's that quote request form. There's the pre-qualification aspect, which can be as simple as tell us what meds you've been on the last 10 years, what procedures you've had done in the last 10 years, how many and who you've consulted for medical specialists in the last 10 years, how many times you've been to the hospital in the past 10 years. That will give us a great indication of where we'll, where we'll end up in the marketplace. And we need that in order to determine which carrier is going to be the best fit. So mm -hmm. What sense does it make to have to provide quotes for four or five different carriers and before we even understand who's going to be able to consider in the first place? Don't reinvent the wheel. Have a process, quote request form, pre-qualification form. Then we get the quotes. We discuss as advisors. And then guess what? We're not throwing every quote out to the client. Uh, and that's the next step here. Yeah. Yeah. Gathering the right information and then walking through the solutions. So number three, a, a mistake that we see from advisors, they just email quotes, sometimes without even any words in the body of the email. And what I'm saying here is you might as well set fire to those quotes because DI does not sell itself. It's just so preventable. And it's, it's, it's the biggest reason why DI sales fail in my in my experiences people just getting the information to get the information sending the information because it was requested so it all stems back to this have a process be proactive mm -hmm. um, but the emailing of the quotes is especially damaging uh, unless you're dealing with a, a highly informed client who is like well into this process looking at other options and, and that is so rare that it's almost not even worth mentioning because what happens is, you know, people, you know, they'll ask for quotes from three different carriers, they'll send them all over. 
I, I guess the assumption is that they're all the same. Like all, all the carriers are the same. All the benefits are the same. There's going to be a difference in benefits. It's just the way these benefits are calculated by each actuarial division with each carrier. But um, it depends on the occupation class. That's another big factor that really nobody's addressing if you're just emailing quotes is identifying which op class is going to be best suited, which discounts are going to be available potentially. Um, and so it just comes back to this point of, of, of being able to walk through it um, in an applicable fashion as opposed to just, you know, throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks. I think you made a really good point that when you're when they ask for you know quotes from multiple carriers and you send them over, they're just looking at the benefit amount and then and the premium, which it's and you've said this before, it's like comparing apples to oranges sometimes. The policies themselves from each carrier can be different, different definitions of disability, different riders. Those need context. So offering context when you're emailing quotes is essential. The fourth mistake we see quite a bit is some advisors, they'll play small ball. You know, they're they're talking about daily benefit amounts. And do you know anyone who lives by a daily budget? I don't. Monthly, yes, but daily, probably not. So, yeah, I mean, we we do this, it's an inverted discussion. Uh, the numbers is and the units that we're talking about between monthly benefit and annual premiums, we need to invert that and actually make it even better. So just psychologically, when we're talking about a monthly benefit, that's that's good because people budget on a monthly basis, most folks. Um, and it's an important number to understand because that's the unit of payment to receive those benefits. It's paid out on a monthly basis uh, while you're on claim. So the monthly aspect, I don't want to just gloss over it. We need to identify it for sure. And that's what people are looking at. And that's pretty much where people stop is addressing the benefit in these monthly terms. They might say to age 65. But what is that really, what is really the difference between a benefit that's, you know, let's say we're just talking about somebody who's making, oh gosh, let's go with 200,000. They need a benefit of, of 10,000 a month. So we're looking at 10,000 a month times, um, if they're age 35, that's going to be 30 years to age 65 times 12 would be an annual benefit of 120,000 times 30 years equals $3.6 million. Keep that number in your mind. Compare that to a five-year benefit period, which could change based on the occupation class, right? So that that to age 65 might not be available to some carriers based on the OC class. So we want to make sure that we're addressing these numbers because here's what it looks like if it's a five-year benefit. We're talking about 10,000 a month times 60 months, right? 60 months in five years is 600,000. What's the difference there? Three million dollars. Why are we talking about 10,000 a month and 10,000 a month? We need to be right. talking about these aggregate benefits to help people understand really what's at stake, number one. And secondly, this really informs the premium. You're able to have a better conversation about what that premium is ultimately covering, because what you're talking about is a 30-year term policy for DI, which is about seven times more likely to happen, somebody going out on claim for disability, than a life insurance policy during their working years. Okay, So people need to understand that this risk is significantly more a, impactful because it happens more, and B, it helps people's livelihoods while they're getting their feet back on the ground. So we need to understand that this could be compared to a 30-year term in that case where you're talking about somebody who's age 35. Um, that would be the same as them buying a $3.6 million term policy for life insurance coverage. And, you know, it's about the same price, even though the risk is way higher with DI. So I don't want to hear DI is expensive. When you're boiling it down and you're looking at these aggregate benefits, which is ultimately what's on the line, 
for these carriers, that's what they're insuring. That's how much they're at risk for. That's their exposure. That's how they price these policies. They're not saying, oh, it's 10,000 a month. You know, so let's let's price it like this for everything 10,000 a month. No, what's the total exposure? 10,000 a month for somebody aged, you know, 62 is going to be different than somebody aged 32. So we want to make sure that, again, we're addressing that exposure, that we're seeing the, you know, in reflecting the likelihood of this in an accurate fashion and not just saying, you know, it's God knows how many, what the number is, because it's actually one in four is the, is the industry standardized number. So we want to understand that that's generally what the odds are and what we're playing. And of course, that's going to be different based on each individual, which is why we have disability insurance, because you never know who it's going to be. But 25%, I play those odds in Vegas all day long. Yeah, I like how you framed it as a term DI policy with a benefit, basically, of what the total benefit is. Most advisors are familiar with life insurance. I think that's a good parallel to make. But yeah, show them their yet worth, their future net worth, that total potential benefit. And you can do that at whatsmy.yetworth.com. And it's a really easy tool. Only, I think, four fields need to be completed and you get that that yet worth number that shows how much a client will make over their lifetime, their working lifetime. Next, mistake number five, agents sometimes are all numbers. And unless your client is a statistician or an actuary, numbers without context won't get you very far. The solution is eliciting empathy and emotion. Exactly. And I'm guilty of this too. I just came off a diatribe where I was talking about the numbers, right? So, but you know, we're talking to an advisor audience particularly. So, and, and I think those numbers really do carry weight in that audience. But when you're talking to an individual about their needs, I mean, if you say it's one in four, they're like, great, I'm one of the three. So there's no, <laughs> there's no recourse there for, for emphasizing the point. I mean, maybe some people who are really kind of in their head about the numbers might understand that statistic and think, okay, well, there's a significant risk here. Let's make sure we're addressing this. What I've found in these conversations is people think they can manage through a disability. Nobody's saying they don't have it. They think they can manage and they think that they can weather the storm through something like this. And whether or not they can is irrelevant if they have a policy that will make sure they get paid through that endeavor. And I think that's that's really important to understand because what we're talking about is not so much the statistical probabilities or anything like that. What we're talking about is a benefit where you need to really put yourself in their place and, and understand what their life systems start to look like if they can't go to work in an effective state, an effective state of mind, an effective state of body. That's what we're talking about. People need medical sick leave all the time, all the time. CEOs, rank and file, middle managers, everybody. Nobody's immune to this. It, what we're talking about is how it affects their life. What happens to you and to your family if you can't receive an income anymore? Make ends meet with your business. If you are only at 50% of your goals for your business, as opposed to getting out there every day, beating the pavement and growing your business. What happens? Really, what are the next steps? And be quiet and listen and address that. Um, and so that's really the key here is to understand what they're actually up against. Does it mean, oh, we just have retirement savings, like we'll, we'll be fine. Okay, well, let's talk about that. 
if you miss your income, even at half 50% and, and you're missing your income for two years, how much does that actually result in you pulling out of your retirement? Well, my income's, you know, 200,000, um, you know, we'd probably, so that means just 50, 50, 50%, we'd need a hundred thousand a year from that portfolio. Okay. Well, hundred thousand a year at age 40. Um, so that's 200,000 at age 40 and 41, let's say, well, what does that look like on your portfolio balance? If we go to retirement age, what are you actually missing out on? Well, that number, that statistic is important to understand because it contextualizes what their hardship will be and how many more years they'd have to keep continue working to meet their goals, right? So if that's 200,000, they'd have to pull out of their retirement stable of that they have saved up at a million. You're talking about reducing your portfolio by 20%. If that's a down year, I mean, you say there's a 10% loss in their, on their investment funds, and you're talking about a total loss of 30% of their portfolio. How many more years of retirement did they just get delayed? These are the actual questions we need to be invoking when we're having these discussions and, and not so much, you know, do you have DI? Yes or no? Group LTD? Okay, great. Um, or, you know, how much do you have in your portfolio? Oh, they're self-insuring. They have a million dollars. That is not enough. If you're in your working years, you have less than 5 million, 8 million then I think you are at risk of a serious loss for just one or two years at 50% of your income. That 200,000, mind you, that we were just talking about, that's 200,000 coming from that retirement portfolio. But think about all the gains that you just missed out on. If you know anything about compound interest, that 200,000, you know, over the next 24 years at just a meager 3% would have doubled to 400,000. So that's, I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, 3% is way lower than any estimates I see in financial advisors throwing out, but that's what they're using. Okay, well, great. That That's going to double in seven and a half years. And then it's going to double again, seven and a half years after that. And then it's going to double again, seven and a half years after that. So now you're talking about 200,000 that doubled three times. So 400,000, 800,000, 1.2 million. You're really okay with your client missing out on $1.2 million? If they're drawing a hundred thousand from from their portfolio at retirement, at the end of the day, that's twelve years of retirement you just missed out on. That's the reality of it. Just be real when having these conversations, and really try to get people to understand the big picture of what you're insuring, what we're insuring with DI, and it can really help someone stay afloat when things get hard and help protect their retirement plans. So our Final mistake that we see from advisors is that they try to go it alone. For the benefit of your clients, some activities really should be outsourced. Yeah, I, I think outsource might not even be the right word here because what we're what we're really where I've seen it be most effective is when we're partnering together. And that's the key here is is understanding, you know, your role as an advisor is now legally to be a fiduciary for your client. Um, there's no other alternative. That's a Department of Labor term for, for financial advisor now. You have to act in your client's best interest. And when you're doing that, it's oftentimes in their best interest to seek a specialist. It's oftentimes in their best interest to be an objective third party. So no salesmanship, just setting them up with the policy. Obviously, there's going to be a sale, a purchase of this solution that's required. That's the only distribution model for DI at this point, unless they get it through their employer. 
they are going to be paying a premium to set themselves up and add themselves to this pool of risk, this aggregate pool of risk for people in need. That's how DI works. It pays people in need. And the idea here is that as you as the third party is a buffer between the client who you're protecting and advocating for at all times and the technician, which would be us, the specialist in this case, we're, you know, we, I mean, quite frankly, we do not put on really a sales hat at all. I mean, we're here to educate on product. That's really, that's our role. That's how we always carry ourselves into the conversation. We're here to educate, we're educators. Um, but given that education, you know, and, and given the compensation model and how we're paid, we get paid if there's a sale. That's not a secret. It shouldn't be a secret. This, this is us being transparent. You should be transparent too. I, I advocate for that. But what's happening is when you're the third party, that objective third party, you can make that decision on behalf of your client with your client um, and make sure that you're filtering the right information, that you're asking the right questions, and that you can show that you are on their team. This is huge psychologically, and it's also your job as a fiduciary. So I implore anybody who's in the financial advising space to uh, make sure they're teaming up with a specialist, make sure that they're you know, getting that technical knowledge and helping educate their client. Um, for those who want to be educated, some will just say, yeah, just get me the right policy. You know, here's my information. It's not as rare as you think. So most of them like to be walked through this discussion, though. And if you're a trusted fiduciary, you can help them buffer these questions, make sure they understand you're on their team. And, uh, and uh, that dynamic really goes a long way with these conversations. So I agree. Good to bring up the fiduciary standard here and and working with a specialist that's that's where we come in to partner and advising is a process not a product so when you work with us you get a systematized process that we've been dialing in for years but yeah there you have it those are the top six mistakes that we see advisors make and the solutions we'll see you next time thank you so much for joining us you can share this it's on our blog at yetworth.com slash blog. Thanks, everyone. Sorry I got so revved up. Talk to you soon. <laughs>